Hello? I hate scam calls. What the hell is that? No, Bryant. It's me. God. Uh, okay. But if it's you, God, what do you want? I want you to start a church. What? Come on, dude. I've done that already. I've worked so many church. You know I couldn't hack it. The church like it is, it is just not for me. No. Bryant, I want you to start a different church. Like a new religion? Want me to be like the new Joseph Smith or something? Do I have to shave my head and wear Nikes? No. But like I said, I'm no good at the church thing. We've talked about this already. I know. You're no good in the current church. Well then... What sort of church? I want you to start a church with non-believers. Turn the church upside down. Make the believers see church differently by having non-believers be the pastor. Having non-believers be the preacher. Having them be the priest. What? That's crazy, man. People are going to think... I've given up on the faith. They're going to think that I don't believe in you anymore or something. And what if these non-believers do things that isn't what you'd hear at church? Brian, stop worrying about what other people think. Do this. I love you. You are my child. They are my children. They need to see I am with them, even if they don't want to believe it. Okay. But this one's on you, man. It's not on me. Look, if we're gonna do this. Hello? Hello? Man, I need to stop drinking so much before bed. This number has been disconnected. Hello, and welcome to my weird world, and I guess church. My name is Bryant. Uh, Some of you probably already think that this guy is crazy. Well, maybe I am. But this is Upside Down Church. I guess briefly, I am a follower of Jesus. I was a pastor serving in all sorts of churches uh, for the last 10 years. I'm now doing this thing called the Upside Down Church Podcast. Upside Down Church is uh, to take all things religion, to take things church, and especially church from the Christian view, and turn them upside down. And when we turn them upside down, that's going to force us to look at it from a different view. For this podcast, I'm going to host a church service. And it's upside down because my fellow pastor is not a Christian. As far as I know, she does not attend a church. She's not against church, but she ain't for it. And that's okay with me. This upside down church service will attempt to ask and really test the question, What is it like when a non-Christian, when a non-church-going person gets the chance to lead, to officiate the church service, to be the priest? It's a weird question, right? I, as the Jesus follower, will be there as a support. I'm here for the ride, and I hope to provide clarity where clarity is needed. That's enough of me. Let's get into this. I want you to welcome my fellow pseudo-pagan pastor-priest. Her name is Lisa. Her story is deep, it's dark, but it's also not done. Lisa is a friend of mine and a good friend to my wife. She has two kids, she's married, she lives in Los Angeles. 
and she is, in my opinion, a person of peace. Now you're going to hear lots of stuff from this hour-long church service. Keep in mind, my goal is to, is to help invite this non-believer into church, into a conversation about God around what I believe is a holy text, the Bible. We'll be talking about Psalm 23. I will give some of my thoughts at the end, but my goal for doing Upside Down Church is to invite the guest and you, the listener, the ability to see how we can hear and discover something about God's great love through someone that doesn't go to church, through someone who does not believe these things, and yet they have something to say to this person, to myself, and to you. This is what I'm about, and this is what you will now hear in this Upside Down Church service. Welcome. Okay, well, welcome to the Upside Down Church. We're going to start with this uh, church service by getting to know my fellow, I'm going to call her a pseudo-pagan pastor priest. Um, Let's start with you, Lisa. Lisa, how are you doing today? I'm doing very well. Awesome. Just a little nervous about talking about religion, but you know. Yeah. In my olden days, I used to love talking about religion. Now I'm like, no, I don't want to talk about religion ever. <laughs> but, <laughs> well, were, yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, you spoke a little bit about religion and whatnot, but what are your thoughts on church or religion? Um, you know, where do you kind of feel at with that? Yes. Okay. So I wrote some stuff down, but um, yeah, please feel free to uh, share. With, with this reading and with religion in general, I was, I always had like a traumatic association with the church. Mm. Um, I actually uh, was, when I was younger, uh, I think I was four years old. My mom gave me away kind of to a babysitter Mm. and I lived with the babysitter for five years. And this goes kind of dark real fast, but I'm okay with sharing it just because I think it'll benefit others. Um, So when in that time that I lived with my babysitter, I was uh, physically abused by her daily Mm -hmm. and sexually abused by her son nightly. Um, And they belonged to a Mormon church. And Mm -hmm. so every Sunday we'd go to church and, you know, repent for our sins. And what they actually took me to the bishop one time and told the bishop that I was taunting the son. And kind of like I would do the splits and I would do gymnastics and stretch and stuff. And so in in turn, they would tell me that I was taunting him, mm. creating this environment of, of lust for him and sexuality. So uh, mind you, I was like five or six years old. Um, so what they did was the the bishop and them had me repent for my sins. Mm-hmm. So, and they um, didn't, did they have the the other people repent? Or confess or I was sort just, of? all I heard from it was that, you know, in, in my little child mind, I was just on fear and I really believed that everything was my fault. So I just, okay, okay, I'll repent for my sins. Like, you know, I was, they were very physically abusive, my um, babysitter. So if, if I got home, I, you know, I could, 
she would get the fireplace broom out and just whack me and whack me until I was on the floor squealing like a pig. So um, there was, in my mind, it was not ever like, I was never the authority. I never had any power. I was always just like, I'm doing something wrong. I just don't get in trouble. Just make sure you do it right. Just don't fuck up, basically. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Um, So, yeah, that's just what I remember of, you know, going, repenting for our sins and then going back and just living this life of, you know, just abuse and, and confusion and disgust and guilt. And so that's why um, with religion, I kind of just always associated it with being based on shame, fear, Uh and guilt. Okay. So in my mind, that was religion. It was trauma-based association. It wasn't until in college when I was able to um, take some, uh, 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 it was actually a world religion class and it um, dove into all the different like religions and what they practiced. And I felt very torn because of this, you know, negative association to religion. And I was just in so much distress over it, which finally at one night I asked like if God or whoever it is, can you just show me the way like every religion has had some kind of bloodshed or some kind of pressure to, you know, change somebody into their, you know, religion. I felt like it was always forced. Yeah. That night I just, kind of like a prayed and in a dream i know it sounds crazy mm-hmm. but in a dream this spirit of some sort came to me not like a spirit of a person or a human like just a, an a feeling of of calm calm and comfort and things are going to be okay almost like an orange aura of warmth around me uh-huh. and it just pointed to the study of buddhism and okay. that's kind of what told me that this this religion is basically you know trying to show everybody and has never actually you know converted anyone with bloodshed or any fear mongering or it's just always been a peaceful kind of you're welcome if you want to practice and if you don't we love you no matter what it's your choice kind of mm-hmm. that's the feeling i got of it so you know, I never got, got deep into the religion of it afterwards. I still am like was weary about going into churches and temples and anything like that. But long story short, if I was religious, um, Buddhism would be my choice. And and I and I would try to dive more into I would love to dive into it. I still have fear of going into like a temple or a church. But um mm-hmm. Because the ritualistic kind of things kind of freak me out. But I am much more open-minded with the God thing. Now I am aware of the fact that it's trauma-based, you know, Mm -hmm. that the fear of it, not all people. Okay, not all. I met a a girl that I danced with in college, and she was a Mormon, and she was, like, the most loveliest person I've ever met, you know. So I'm not judgmental to any kind of, you know, person due to their religion. And I believe... In Buddhism, they say, basically, all humans are basically good. We're born good. So, uh, yeah, that's my kind of take on religion. And so, um, with your reading, I I kind of like like to go 
line by line and maybe discuss how I feel, but there's one part of this reading. It's Psalm 23 mm-hmm. that I, well, there's a lot of things about like the Bible that I just don't understand. I don't think, I think it's all almost like jibber jabber or a different language, which I never really could understand. Yeah. So it, it's so much up to interpretation, which I believe sometimes is, is not a good thing. Mm. <laughs> you know, like play, playing telephone and, and by the end of the message, the Bible has become that telephone game where you tell your friend the secret. And then by the end, it's turned into a completely different story. Yeah. 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 So there's so much confusion behind it. And just like one of my theories is, you know, a lot of the visions or the, I had a vision or, you know, I feel like they probably didn't know they were eating mushrooms foraging back in the olden days and were just hallucinating and probably wrote all that shit down, you know? Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know. Wow. But I am much more open-minded about religion now. And I feel like I want to give something to my kids to hope for, dream for, and believe in. And, mm-hmm. and then I told myself like, if it's not hurting you, if it's doing good for you, why fight it? Why fight the religion or why fight the, the God, you know, aspect yeah. of life? Well, first I, I thank you for sharing with me um, that dark part of your life and, and the situations and, and, and uh, it's just so hard when I hear stories like that, um, which again, somebody who's worked in churches and, done pastoral work stuff. It's not like it's surprising in a sense of like, Oh, I guess it's surprising in a sense of like, look, another terrible example of how <laughs> of people, uh, how, why people hate religion or why people hate the church or why people don't like the name Christianity or when they hear the word God, it really is. It's not that they, they, they just hate how it got represented. I mean, it's just, so yeah. Yeah, it's always, exactly. Yeah. And I guess a part of it is me doing my part to help religious people um, see that don't do stuff uh, in God's name that obviously God is not into that sort of thing. God is not about that. Um, so right. if I could apologize for anything on behalf of the people that I represent, you know, sorry for those things. And, and uh, again, taking your story and, and sharing with other people in the hopes that like, look, we need to be very careful with how we treat people on behalf of God and how you right. understand that and why you understand it and what, and how you think you can just do that, especially to young people, but to all people. Right. Right. So, but thank you for sharing that with me. And yeah, we'll, we'll definitely, uh, we're going to get into that. I would want to hear your thoughts. I and mean, that's the whole point here is you get to be sort of the, the pastor, the preacher, uh, the presenter here. Um, yeah. If you could, could you read that passage? Um, and then, uh, and then I'll, we'll just take a quick moment of silence and then we'll get into you giving your reflections or however we want to do it. Let's just, let's have fun with it. But, you know, so feel free to open it up and read away. Okay. Most definitely. So Psalm 23, God, my shepherd, I don't need a thing. You have bedded me down in lush meadows. You find me quiet pools to drink from. True to your word, you let me catch my breath and send me in the right direction. Even when the way goes through Death Valley, I'm not afraid when you walk at my side. Your trusty shepherd's crook makes me feel secure. 
You served me a six-course dinner right in front of my enemies. You revived my drooping head. My cup brims with blessing. Your beauty and love chase after me every day of my life. I'm back home in the house of God for the rest of my life. Hmm. Oh, take a moment. Silence. All right, Lisa, the preacher, Mm -hmm. open up with those thoughts or questions or challenges or issues, whatever it is, please. Yeah, okay, so um, I just like to go kind of line by line and then give you my thoughts. So, and if it's okay if I have questions too. Yeah, please. And every, okay. anything goes, I mean, again, <laughs> the, I don't, you know, like, oh, I think this is bullshit or I think this is complete, you know, blah or whatever. I think yes. whatever, I, again, no issue, no, <laughs> no offenses here. This is a hopefully okay. not area. Okay. So I don't really know backstory of shepherd, but I actually God, my shepherd, I'm not sure. Like, what does that mean to you? Like my shepherd, what does that mean? Okay. Like, uh, well, typically, it, one of the images, a very popular image in Christian um, and, spe- and in Jewish, because this is Psalms. So these are a lot of prayers that have been put together uh, in a very big book. There's 150 Psalms. Um, but one of the images that people have for God in the Old Testament is a shepherd, um, it, you know, a, a person who has tons of sheep. And mm-hmm. so um, and like, for example, Jesus in the New Testament. Um, he is referred to as the good shepherd and he tells a story about sheep getting lost and so forth. And this good shepherd will go and go after just one sheep because that's the sort of, as he represents God, as Christians believe it, he's the sort of being that would go after even one and leave other ones behind because he's just cares so much about lost things. So here for Psalm 23, uh, David is probably the person who wrote this. Um, Mm -hmm. And he himself was an actual shepherd. Um, and so that's a part of his backstory. And, and so you also got to think this is a few thousand years ago. People were living out in, you know, unknown territories. Um, and they would have lots of sheep and they'd have to take care of them in kind of dangerous areas. So I think one of the things is he himself is a shepherd. And then he's also describing God as his shepherd, somebody who okay. takes care of him. A caretaker, somebody. Okay, so that's like a representation of a caretaker, somebody who's going to watch over you. Now I see. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I never put it together before. It's like these little details that I have questions about that I'm like, I don't know if I should ask. What kind of? But no, yeah. you or should I, ask. I don't want. That's, yeah. I don't want to feel stupid. Like, uh, what's a sh- like? What's a shepherd? What's the meaning behind it? Even those little details, it makes a big difference. But like, that's what I'm saying about religion being so much up to your interpretation of it, not directly told to you at least not that i remember because you know i didn't go to church after the mormon church so <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so i'll just go on to okay. uh, i don't need a thing you have bedded me down in lush meadows you find me quiet pools to drink from um so i do believe in my heart of hearts that like this universe has everything that we do need so i love this part of it 
that's because I don't feel like I need a thing. I think we are all blessed with like, look at this universe and this world around us. It's all created perfectly for us. We mm-hmm. have enough water. We have all the plants. We have the air to breathe. I mean, it gets down to so much like, you know, on the cellular level of the fascinating things that the body can regenerate and do and, and how we can live through, through things. So, uh, yeah, so that's kind of where I'm thinking when it comes to this true to your word, you let me catch my breath and send me in the direction in the right direction. And this speaks to me because I just feel like in times where I felt like I was drowning, Mm -hmm. always been sent in the right direction. I've, I've always had what I needed and I've always learned from it. So uh, that's how I feel about that part of it. So yeah, it, even. When... Oh, Go sorry. ahead. Well, it sounds like you're saying you're finding some maybe confirmation in this ancient text that you've felt guided or you felt that things have had a purpose or things have worked out for you. Most definitely. Exactly. Hmm. Yeah. So even when the way goes through Death Valley, I'm not afraid when you walk at my side, your truly, your, your trusty shepherd's crook makes me feel secure. <laughs> so I just think of, of that shepherd's crook, like basically if I'm going the wrong way, that thing yanking me back into the right direction and mm. kind of, um, but yeah, like you said, I've been down so many dark streets and somehow managed to survive with a better outlook mm-hmm. on life. And I just feel blessed for that. So I don't, you know, uh, this is just a nice like representation of that. This, okay. So coming up on the next part is what I kind of have a problem with. Yeah. But um, So it says, you serve me a six course dinner right in front of my enemies. Mm -hmm. I really, I really don't like that part of it just because, okay. I feel like it's like an ego credit, like, like, I don't know it serving me a six course meal in front of my enemies would make me feel like disgusting mm-hmm. is the word I could come up for it with it. Like mm. first, first off, I don't consider myself the, like the type of person who has any enemies, but even people who I deeply disagree with um, the decisions they've made in their life, even with like my abuser, or my child molester, I wouldn't feel, or I don't think I could feel comfortable about eating a meal in front of them. And maybe I'm taking this too literal, but without wanting to share or offer like what I have, that's just not in my nature. Mm. So I just, something about that part of it's like, makes me feel uncomfortable and I'm not sure Mm. if I'm getting the wrong message, you know, or if I'm looking too much into it. Well, no, I think you're right to question it. And I think, again, that's a whole part of the process that a lot of Christian folk don't do. Um, um, I think it's rather fascinating that what you just did was, one, you said, I don't like this. Who am I to deserve a six-course dinner in front of my enemies? Why am I, who, what makes me so special? Right, exactly. Um, But then it was interesting how you just kind of said, even if I had that chance and you, and you really personalized it with your, your, the molester, that person who did something terrible to you. Right. And you said, even to that person, I wouldn't want to do that. Um, I'd even want to share with them because, Mm -hmm. but I also think the part of it is that I'm hearing is you have something within yourself. 
I think this discovery of this, this, this aura you said of God for you and your understanding has come to help you see that even this part of the passage here, a, a six course dinner right in front of my enemies, you're even thinking, ah, but I don't really have enemies. Or if I did, I'm going to transform them. So one of the things here that I would suggest is it calls into question who you think you can call an enemy. Um, Mm -hmm. Because Mm -hmm. simply because God's on your side doesn't mean uh, that you get to be a jerk or that you get to be the winner. Um, And I just, I don't know. I just find that really interesting in how you really connected it with your personal story of, of really darkness and tragedy and you decided to not let them be an enemy um and i think you would see these people as missing out on something that you have found a truth in and that's the ability to sit and then share with your oppressor um Mm -hmm. so you can we could interpret the traditional way like hey look at me i'm so special i get a six course dinner from god and I'm going to sit there and eat it in front of my enemies. <laughs> right. Now, the only problem with that is one it calls into question, like, well, do you think God's cool with all the actions you do? Like, you know, you know so that's kind of one of those things right. is Christians or people who might go, oh, I'm so special. I go, well, hold back because we are listening to or reading um, this prayer by this man, mm-hmm. David. And he's recognizing how much God has taken care of him. Mm -hmm. So to sort of be arrogant and go, oh, I'm so special. And I'm just going to be a jerk to other people is sort of missing the overall point. Right. That's where it's, yeah. Of who God is and how God's taking care of him. Mm -hmm. Because in some ways, God didn't have to take care of him. Didn't have to give him a nice place to sleep. um, You know didn't uh, let him catch his breath, you know, these types of things. So um, that, that's just a way of thinking about it. If I could, I would also consider too, when I read stuff like that, you serve me a six course dinner in front of my enemies. And that's a challenge. Sometimes the enemies, they may not necessarily be people. They could be things like, for example, for you. And I think you face those enemies appropriately. It's that the spiritual aspect of people's decisions that affect us or maybe a psychological state of a negative attitude um, or right. those types of enemies that like, no, I don't want to deal with that. I'm not going to give um, my temptation the time of day. Right. That's an enemy that I don't want to give any credit to. I want to sit there and be confident that I'm eating this meal and I'm eating what I should be eating. Not right. that darkness that ter- takes me into further darkness. That's sometimes how I've interpreted it is those, those things. Yes. Yeah. No, I like that, that, um, aspect of it that you, you mentioned there of it not being like an enemy, uh, of somebody else being your enemy, but almost like the ego being your enemy in a way. So, yeah, exactly. Yeah. It could even be yourself. Mm hmm. Yeah. And whatever that is for you, you know, that, that thing for you. So, yeah. Oh, good. And, and I think you're also from the beginning, you've said something about the aspect of interpretation. 
Um, and I think it's a valid point. I think we need to understand we're dealing with these passages, these ancient texts and things that people wrote down. And we need to have a confidence about what they're saying, but we also need to be confident in what, you know, how far we can take something. Right. Um, and <laughs> yeah, what, what were you going to say? Buddha teaches as, as the middle way. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes the pendulum swinging so far left or so far right gets us into trouble. And really the, the right path is the middle way. And yeah, so cause, cause people can, I can sit here and nitpick about these things and try to make it smaller, but other people can also, you know, grave about these, these passages and make it into such a big thing that they start killing people over it, you know? So uh, it could go so far in either direction. And that's why I, I really like that you know what buddhism teaches the middle way is kind of like the path of uh least resistance <laughs> mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. right direct me so i try and because i am an extremist you know i do go all out with things and i try hard to um you know notice those and stay on on the right path and you know just like either like in the olden days with buddha too he learned um like he he tried to attain enlightenment by starving himself and taking as little as possible. And that just wasn't working, you know, mm-hmm. and, you know, so just trying to find that balance, I guess, is, is what in, in this reading I'm, you know, trying to, to find and what in spirituality I'm trying to find too. I don't want to be an extra, but I don't, I'm tired of not, of uh, like pushing it away and resisting it because of past trauma or my own um suaded judgment on religion yeah no that's great great okay anything else with that or do you want to keep you want to move on to the next one the next line I, I guess i'll just move on to the next line um that was the biggest thing that i had otherwise you revive my drooping head my cup brims with blessing um your beauty and love chase after me every day of my life. So once again, like in my life, I feel like I have every anything and everything that I've always wanted. I'm mm-hmm. so happy that I have in my life. I feel blessed. You know, I want to, sometimes I feel like I have too much. I'm like, almost like, do I really deserve all this? I have two beautiful kids, my husband, my house, like everything that I wanted, you know, I came from nothing. I came from a place where, uh, you know, I grew up with a single mom and we moved from hotel to hotel to, you know, apartment to apartment. I never even lived in a house until I bought my house. This, mm. And so, you know, growing up with, in poverty and chaos and finally being able to branch out and just have my own stability. I just feel like I was blessed in a way. And I wish everyone else could be blessed with the knowledge to know in, in your heart that you, you have the ability to, to create a life for yourself that you've, you've ever dreamed about. And Hmm. uh, yeah. So for me, this does speak to me, you know, that, I am guided by something and mm-hmm. I always have this thing in my mind where I know that whatever I really want in life, I'm, I can get it. Hmm. And it's, it's so peaceful. And if that isn't 
that feels like God to me, mm. you know? And, uh, yeah. So then, if I could really quickly, cause again, sure. back to that thing that challenged you, which is you served me a six course dinner right in front of my enemies. Yeah. I think, one, I think you want to have, you want to talk a little bit more about that maybe, but I think if I could encourage you that, that what you just talked about, that looking back on your life, seeing the things you've overcome, like those are sort of the enemies that you get to now sit and have a meal in front of and kind of go, look, that didn't define me. Yeah. Okay. That didn't make my destiny what it needed to be. And you're seeing that larger thing, which we're describing as God, as being involved in that and giving you the opportunity to relish in the blessing and the being grateful for, you know, the dark times and then, and the good times. And I, you know, those, that's, that would be the way of, I would look at the enemies maybe for you um, that you are sitting there and going, "Mm -mm, I'm going to eat and enjoy, even though all those, you guys, you're trying to hold me back. Right. Yeah. No, I loved how you put that. That makes sense. Um, Yeah. It's a much better way of looking at it than the way I was feeling. I was so uncomfortable with like, almost like I'm better than you, but almost just like you said, making peace with the fact that, yeah, the challenges were there and I was able to overcome it and eat peacefully without, you know, any regret or any, but he's trying to take me down. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah. I like that. And so the last line, I'm back home in the house of God, which scares me. That part scares me. I don't know why. I just in the house of God sounds like a church. It sounds scary. That's what <laughs> I, was, I was. I was thinking you probably feel like. Yeah. Yeah. So it's scary to you to think about that form of house of God. Right. Mm-hmm. But there are some forms. And I think it's just a mindset change of what, you know, cause my, how I, if I would consider even the word God scares me, but if I would consider my house of God, it would just be what is actually nature in the universe mm-hmm. in a church with steeples. <laughs> and a, what was that? Uh, not in a church with a steeple and, and the, the, uh, what is that called? That glass that they make? Oh, uh, stained glass. I think. Stained, stained glass. Yeah. 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 Well, it's, yeah, let's keep going. Okay. No, I think so. I'm back home in the house of God for the rest of my life. Okay. Yeah. I don't know how that really makes me feel. I mean, because I was thinking of in the house of God for the rest of my life, but What's, what's your, what do you take off this last line? Cause I'm not sure if I really understand it mm. like back home in the house of God for the rest of my life. Yeah. Um, well, I think there's, it, it's coupled with that other first part, your beauty and love chase after me every day of my life. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's a beautiful way of they, of what the way they translated this. Um, Cause this is one translation of there's mm. multiple translations and this translation I gave you is a more modern one that I think is always more helpful, um, and especially yeah. reading prayers. Cause they're very personal. Um, but the idea that God's or God with the beauty and love is chasing after this person 
every day of his life is I think fascinating to me, but then he recognizes perhaps because of that, like you were saying, like, I'm looking at my life at how blessed it is, how, mm-hmm. how, how brutal it was, but now how blessed it is. And I don't want to forget that. Um, right. I want to be grateful for that. And I think there's a sense of that's being in the house of God. Um, that's what it's like to be, to have the shepherd, to mm-hmm. have somebody watching you to have in a good way. Um, and, and to, that's what the house of God should be that like, yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I mean, I don't know if that's the correct interpretation. I'm sure people have, we have many opinions. Um, but I think in the sense of God's house and how we understand that and what that looks like and what that feels like is much different in the whole, this whole uh, experiment that we're doing with the upside down church by allowing you to be, you know, a pseudo priest, pastor, you know, preacher and sharing your thoughts. Uh, Mm -hmm. It just shows that God and what he, what God wants, uh, what God desires is I think for people to be in the house of God. Um, And it's interesting. This is a little tidbit, but in Mm -hmm. the old Testament, which this comes from is the first Testament, the, the Jewish Bible, the word uh, temple, which is associated with, you know, that religious thing. It, there really right. is no word temple when we're referenced that it's actually house. Um, okay. You know, Cause temples became a, a much later phenomenon, but usually it's the house of God. It's God's okay. house. And you, and to be in God's house should be a, a good thing. It should be a positive thing. It should be a, right. a peaceful thing. Um, so, yeah. So in turn, are you saying that you consider, God's house just to be your, your life? Or do you have a specific representation of what God's house looks like to you? Oh, that's a great question. I think one of the fun things is this is where the being humble and flexible and in interpretations is so important. Mm-hmm. Um, now, if we're talking to somebody who's a Roman Catholic person, uh, basically church is the idea of what church is, is very defined. And that's fine. We're not saying it's bad or wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not a Catholic pastor or a priest or anything like that. I'm, I'm a Protestant. Uh, I'm Christian. Catholics are Christian. Um, I'm a Christian as well. Um, but in the idea of what, when we follow Jesus and that understanding, the idea of church, it's, it means for people who have been called out by God and they gather together around that calling Um, Mm -hmm. And they do these things like sing songs. They reflect on passages. Now you can do that. And that's what we're sort of doing in a little bit of a ways is we're mocking it, but we're also practicing it. The idea Mm -hmm. that you can get together, you can talk about this divine thing. You can ask questions about it and hopefully you can experience some peace from it. Um, And that can bring you into or help you discover, oh, I didn't know we could do the house of God via a Zoom call podcast. <laughs> She's in California. I'm in Texas. And with people who maybe don't fully believe or whatever. Like right. right. You know, so, I'll so stop this there. is the house of God right now. Brian, yeah. that's what you're saying. <laughs> I think so. Yeah. I, I'll church be the crazy one and as say. well. I'm getting church church to you is is also the house of God. I think a sense of community could be. Yes. There's a, if I could 
there's a fascinating line um, in the in the this the story about Jesus' life by this guy named John, and uh-huh. he says, uh, "Let me pull it up so I don't get it wrong." Yeah. Okay. So the word that in the in the the word is the this divine being, and then all of a sudden this guy says, "The word became flesh and blood, and moved into the neighborhood." Um, and so it's a very interesting way to describe God that this divineness came in and became flesh and blood, which is sort of their inter a Christian understanding is that's Jesus. And then he moved, he moved into the neighborhood and another one says he pitched his tent, like, and like, (laughs) that's like a house, like that's his place. And then he lived with humans. And so in a sense for me, house of God is people who are gathering around, I, let's just say God's name and just hoping to get closer to God mm-hmm. um, and bring people closer into contact with that. And I think if you believe in God and you want to get to know God, um, God will make God known to you. Um, mm-hmm. You don't necessarily mm-hmm. need to go to a church. I think there's some things that churches help do better than you can do. Like right now we we can't sing music. Uh, I don't know. There's yeah. other things, but then again, the question is, is what's bigger deal. Do we want to get in contact with God or do we want to just sing music? It, you know, it depends <laughs> on what you're looking for. Nice. So, yeah. Okay. Well, anything else, any thoughts with that Psalm 23? Cause that was fun. No, that was actually, it was really nice. Cause I, um, I guess with religion and it's always been kind of a fear of mine to, you know, be sit with the discomfort of, you know, not knowing, asking questions. And I, I really like that I was able to sit down with you and, and actually just go over it. And it did give me some, some peace about it. And no, I, this was really nice. It was fun. Well, awesome. Thank you. I mean, I'm glad you did it. And again, I know this is like, a random thing. Um, I know I'm like, of all people, he wants to talk to me about religion. (laughs) (laughs) I know, but that that's the whole thing. And here's, yeah. yeah, And you're, I'm not going to toot my own horn, but you, you're not going to go to a church necessarily for multiple reasons. And even if you were, that's the most frustrating thing I think for people is they would like to get, they'd have questions that are valid and they like to get hopefully an honest answer or at least a humble answer on a right. thing. Yeah. A humble so, answer. I like that a humble, honest answer yeah. without somebody shoving just verba- verbiage down your throat and saying, mm-hmm. you should you believe it. You just, just listen. You're not believing it. You know? So. Yep. Yep. <laughs> okay. Well, I think we'll, we'll start to bring it to a close. Um, and what we can do is if you feel comfortable, um, again, you're, you're, you've, you've been the preacher pastor person and preacher pastor people typically at a church service would pray for them. Would you pray for me? I would love to. I actually just chose something, um, quickly off the internet when you told me I was supposed to choose a prayer. Uh, so yeah, I would do that. Uh, let me just pull it up here on my screen because I. You can still hear me, right? Yes, I can hear you. Okay. Let me pull this up here. And then at the end, there's a, well, I'll give a blessing, right? Yep. Yep. Okay. So this would be the prayer. Um, 
It's a Buddhist prayer of forgiveness. Mm. If I have harmed anyone in any way, either knowingly or unknowingly, through my own confusions, I ask their forgiveness. If anyone has harmed me in any way, either knowingly or unknowingly, through their own confusions, I forgive them. And if there is a situation I am not yet ready to forgive, I forgive myself for that. For all the ways that I harm myself, negate doubt, belittle myself, judge or be unkind to myself throughout my own confusions, I forgive myself. So that would be the prayer. Do you want me to continue on to the blessing? uh, Before you do one thing, um, have you, I mean, how often have you prayed for someone? I I guess for another person, like you just did for me, whether it's like, but one, like, have you ever prayed for somebody like this? Not just over format, but like, if I was with you, have you ever prayed for anybody? Never Never. prayed for anybody. No, no. I mean, just by myself, like not, Yeah. I've obviously prayed for others in a way, like a meditative way of like for the equanimity kind of meditation, um, for everyone to be peaceful, everyone to be happy, but, uh, never directly I'm praying for you. Like Ellery prayed for me one time and I think it was the first time and only time I ever like allowed her to pray for me because I was Mm. in such a state of distress. I really needed something. Mm -hmm. And she literally said everything I needed to hear at the time. And it was like, it was just amazing. I'm just, I'll never forget that. Mm. Um, but I've never actually, and she said, yeah, because God was speaking through me hmm. to, to tell you what you needed, what he wanted to tell you basically. Mm-hmm. And I just thought that's incredible and insane. And I don't, I've never done that before. I, so that was the first time I kind of received a prayer that I needed to have. Um, but no, I've never, <laughs> I've never actually prayed for somebody else like before. So, well, thank you for doing that for me. Um yeah. And again, this is, I think, a part of the Upside Down Church is, you know, as much as it's sort of a mock, but it's also the idea that I hold that God wants to use you. Mm-hmm. Um, God wants to allow you to be a conduit, a connection. A connection. Um, and I, I appreciate you doing that and, and doing that. Um, well, and then I think we'll, we'll bring it to a close and you're going to have the final word with offering what, again, a priest does or a pastor does. Um, they do a blessing or the fancy words benediction. Um, but okay. it's, it's just a way to encourage and close people out and send them off. So I'm ready for that benediction and blessing from you. Okay. It's pretty short and sweet from what I um, got. Um, so um, may I be happy. May I be peaceful. May I be free. May my friends be happy. May my friends be peaceful. May my friends be free. May my enemies be happy. May my enemies be free. May my enemies be peaceful. May all beings be happy. May all beings be peaceful. May all beings be free. Thank you, Lisa. Awesome. Thank you so much, Brian. This was so cool. It was very cool. It was a a first for me. 
it for was sure. a fir- first for me too. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, all right, well, there we go. There's a, a upside down church doing some church with somebody who doesn't go to church. Um, doesn't do church and we just did it. So that was fun. Awesome. Yeah. So fun. Thank you. You're welcome.